born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. So anyway, we are now continuing our study in membership class. And I want you to take your Constitution book, the little yellow book, and you're to turn to page four, page four, and look down at the bottom at number nine. This is something that we believe here at Calvary Community Church. We believe it's important. We believe in looking every day, expecting every day for the Lord to come. Now, he may not come, but we keep looking for him. If he don't come today, we'll look for him again tomorrow. And we've been doing that, the church has, for, well, right around 2,000 years. Now, one of these days, he's going to surprise us and show up. But a lot of times, people get thinking about the second coming of Christ so much that they don't do anything. They just sit down and wait. And just, they ride the hobby horse of, he's coming today, he's coming today, so we don't do nothing. Don't do anything. And uh, just like, is there anything going on over there in the Middle East? Anything going on with Russia? Remember Russia supposed to come down? And, uh, and Syria and them? The, everything's lining up. I mean, this is, isn't it getting excited? But if I spoke on that every time we had church service, we'd never get the other things done. We still have to keep working as though he won't come back for 100 years. And then keep working and praying and looking as though he's coming back tomorrow or today. So I don't want anything to keep us from doing what God told us to do. We may keep working, but we're looking. We work, but we're looking. And we're looking for the Lord to come back at any time. That's why it's called the Blessed Hope. We used to have a group up there in Georgia, and they called themselves the Blessed Hope Trio. And um, they had another one that joined them, so they, don't, they couldn't call themselves the Blessed Hope Trio anymore. There were four of them. And uh, we played that the other night. And uh, some of them got to hear the Blessed Hope Quartet. But here in the book of First uh, Thessalonians, where I want you to take your Bible and look at it. First Thessalonians and chapter 1. These are some verses that we will look at because we want people to be convinced that uh, what we believe is the truth. So the Word of God is the authority. So we always go by, well, what does the Bible really say? But notice there as we read this, we believe in the personal 
imminent coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means we believe he himself is coming. It's a personal thing. We believe in the imminent. That means at any time. It could happen at any moment. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we do believe he's coming. We believe it's personal. And we believe it could be immediately. At any time. Uh, we don't believe there's any scripture that needs to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place. And the word rapture is not found in the Bible, but the meaning, a catching up, a snatching away. The departure, we believe that is, it is taught in the Word of God. Just like God took Enoch and he was snatched away. He was and he was not. He was here and all of a sudden he's gone. And so... We believe that even uh, Elijah is all of a sudden, they saw him go up in a chariot of fire. He was, and then he was gone. But one takes place, and nobody sees. The other one, everybody saw. And so, like, the two comings of the Messiah. Christ is coming for his children, and then he's going to come with his children. So, first of all, he comes and gets us takes us to heaven, and then seven years later, he comes back to the earth in power and great glory. So when he comes for you and I, he comes only in the clouds. He doesn't come to the earth. Comes in the clouds, and we're caught up to meet him there. When he comes back at the end of the tribulation period, the Bible says his feet touch upon the Mount of Olives. Well, that's when he comes back in power and great glory. It's called the revelation, when he's revealed and everybody will see him. The rapture is talking about he comes in the air, and we're caught up to meet him, and we're changed, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So there's two phases of the second coming. Just like you may play one football game, but there's four quarters. Just because here's the one quarter, and there's two quarters, and there's one quarter, and there's one quarter. There's four games. No, there's only one game. It's just that it's broken down into four quarters. Two halves. So you have the same thing with the second coming of Christ. So we refer to the coming of Christ, the rapture, as the second coming. And we refer to the time when he comes to the earth in power and great glory as the second coming. So there's two phases of the second coming, so that you understand that. So in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, look what he says here. In uh, verse 13, verse 13 says, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. And the reason he says that, because there are just a lot of ignorant brethren. A lot of brethren just don't know. So you lose somebody. They die. Now, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope of ever seeing their loved ones again. We sorrow, but we know we'll see them again. So we don't sorrow like they do. People who haven't trusted the Lord, they have no confidence. They don't really know about the Lord. So they sorrow, but not because they know they'll see them again. We sorrow because we're separated for a little while, but we know we'll see them again. So he says here that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. See, we do have that hope, that joyful anticipation. This is not like, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. No, this is a joyful anticipation. We know it's going to happen, and that's what we believe. My hope is in the Lord. My anticipation is in the Lord. My joy is in the Lord. I believe what the Lord says. So he says in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again and keep the Ten Commandments and become a member of Calvary Community Church, 
It didn't say all of that. No, a lot of people like to add things to the Bible. But he says, it, to those who believe, that, that, that's all you had to do. The only reason we're going to heaven, not because we're better than somebody else, because we allow the Lord to love us by accepting his love. So you know what it feels like to have your love rejected? Well, God knows what that's like. Jesus coming into the world, that is his love. This, this, God said, this is my love. So when you reject Christ, you're rejecting his love. Because this is the only way God has of showing and proving to you and I, he loves us. So he says, I love you this much. And he sent his son. And so his son died on the cross and says, I love you this much. So we know how much he loved us, enough to die for us, enough to take our place. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There is no greater love, the Bible says. So Jesus is the love of God toward us. And so therefore, when we reject Christ, we're rejecting God's love. When you accept Christ, you're accepting his love. And therefore, he gives us eternal life as a free gift. We get to go to heaven. So all those things are wonderful. And then he says in verse 15, For this we see unto you by the word of Yankee, no, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. In other words, we're not going first because those who are with him are coming back with him. And then the bodies that are in the graves, that's dead, separated from the person, those bodies are going to be made incorruptible. And the Bible says, and then we that are alive will be changed in a moment, the twinkle of an eye, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So we will get to go to be with the Lord in the air. So this is what the Lord tells us. So in uh, the book of Zechariah, uh, look over there just so you can see the, the great difference. The book of Zechariah is right before the book of Malachi which is right before Matthew. So um, it shouldn't be too hard of a, a book to find, but Zechariah, and look there in chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. And you'll notice there, he says in chapter 14, then in verse 3, then shall the Lord, L-O-R-D, Go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So God says that he's going to come back and fight against those nations. Well, what nations? All the nations who fight against Jerusalem. Look what he says in verse 2. And I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. God says he's going to do it. So God allows the people to feel toward Israel the way they do. Because, remember, God is chastening Israel because they rejected their king, their savior. So he says, I'm spreading them out through all the world. And then they're going to come back to the land to become established as a nation. And then as a nation, while they're back in unbelief, God's going to have the nations come against Israel. And unless God intervenes, not only the nation of Israel, but all mankind will be wiped out. And that's why he says in the book of um, Matthew 24 that if God does not intervene and shorten those days, there shall no flesh be left alive. So it's going to be bad enough that it seems like it causes like a nuclear war where man can destroy man from the face of this earth. 
And we sense that today. We just don't know who's going to be the first nut to mash some button that causes a nuclear cloud over some city. It could happen here. They can happen anywhere. They're talking about Iran now that's getting these long-range missiles. They can, you know, put a nuclear warhead on them. And Korea, and you got China, you got Russia. But remember, Russia and China are like allies. And then you got Iran, allies, Syria, allies, North Korea. They're all in the same pot together. And, you know, they make a pretty um, massive uh, army. And they got people that got all the nukes that they need. So the only reason we've had some kind of peace is because we know that if they nuke us, we nuke them where everybody's annihilated. So the only reason we ain't nuking each other is because we know that even if they can't shoot them all down, they can fire theirs. And now what do we do? Who wins? Well, the whole earth is destroyed. So, but there's some people who don't care. They really don't care. And they'll do it anyway. So, and look in verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the mist thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And um, the water, I believe, is going to run from the Mediterranean Sea right down into the Dead Sea, and there's going to be fish down in the Dead Sea. And then somebody just mentioned to me the other day that uh, they have found oil in northern Israel. Anybody hear that? It was on, it was on the news. But um, the Bible says in the uh, time whenever Jacob was blessing his kids, uh, he says, and Asher shall dip his toe in oil. So I believe there's oil wherever that is, and I have an idea. But anyway, it does get interesting. And uh, Russia is getting mighty close there. And wouldn't it be something if all those countries at one time just decided to go against Israel? It ain't like it was in 1967. Just remember, it only takes eight minutes to fly over Israel. Eight minutes to fly over Israel. You see how Israel has to be prepared? How quickly? You come into the airspace, they got to take it out quickly. Because see, it doesn't take much. They could explode a bomb above the nation of Israel. And what those nuclear bombs do is it sucks all the oxygen out and pull it up here and people die of suffocation. It doesn't even have to hit the ground, just in the air and the damage that it can do. But anyway, we're living in some very, very exciting times. So we believe Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for us. Now look at number 10, the eternal state. We believe that the souls of those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation immediately pass into his presence at their death and remain there in conscious bliss until the resurrection of the body at his coming for the church. At which time with souls and body reunited, they shall be associated with him forever in glory, never to be separated from the Lord ever again. But the soul of the unbelievers remain in death, separation, in conscious misery until the final judgment, at which time, with soul and body reunited, they shall be cast into the lake of fire, not to be annihilated, but to be punished with everlasting separation from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, from the glory of his power. 
So they will have everlasting punishment at the same everlasting separation from God for all eternity. And that's what makes reaching people so important. But just so that you see this, look there in Luke chapter 16. The book of Luke in chapter 16. God used Luke to write the gospel of Luke. Now, in writing the book of Luke, it doesn't say exactly at what time Jesus told this story about the rich man and Lazarus. Now, it doesn't mean that he never said it before. He could have said it over and over and over again. How much he explained to them. And uh, we know that there's certain things that said in the New Testament about those in the Old Testament that we didn't even know that they knew. Like the Bible says, Enoch preached about the coming of the Lord. Well, that was before the flood. And he talks about preaching before the Lord and about him coming with thousands and so forth of his saints. Well, we didn't know that. We wouldn't have known that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, that Noah preached. And the only righteousness that's good enough to save is the Lord's righteousness. So he had to preach the gospel. He didn't just build a boat. He was a preacher. So um, there's a lot of things that we don't really maybe understand. But God had witnesses back in those days. Now look what he says here in Luke chapter 16. And just get this. In verse 16, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Yankee. I mean, yeah, Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Now, do you think God saw the poor man? Jesus is telling the story. Jesus had to see Lazarus begging for food at this gate of the rich man. And he had to know he had sores on his body. And he had to know that dogs came to lick the sores. Jesus, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. He saw that. Well, why didn't he change it? He didn't. Could he have? Yeah. I mean, just, he just let him stay there until he died. Well, didn't he see that rich man devouring all that good food? Living high on a hog? And he didn't intervene. Stop it. I mean, God could have done something about that, but he didn't do anything about it. He let him die. Did they both die? Sooner or later, they both died. Now, everything changes. So he says here in verse 22, it came to pass. That's one of the greatest promises in the Bible. It came to pass. A lot of things will happen in your life. It came to pass. And uh, you ever complain about a lot of things that goes on in life and wish it would be different? Well, you're going to die. It will be. You may not want it to be changed that away. But sooner or later, everything you don't like about this old world, don't worry about it. The day's coming when you don't have to worry about this old world. God's going to take you out of it. How do you like that? Huh? Isn't that good? As Freddie Cole would say, ain't that good? It came to pass that the beggar died was carried by the angels into, the, into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. So they both died. Rich man, poor man. And was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. No, he died. His body was buried. In hell, a different place, he lifted up his eyes, being in what? Torment. Seeth Abraham afar off. 
So he could still feel, even though he didn't have a physical body, he could feel. Seeth Abraham, he can see. He saw Abraham, so he could remember. He knew who he was. He also remembered Lazarus. He saw Lazarus. He could see it. And he cried, and he said, so he can say something. He can talk. Father, have Abraham, have mercy on me. So he was begging for mercy. Mercy means he's getting what he deserves. But he didn't want to get it. But he deserved it. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Now, there is no mercy. No mercy. And then he says, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. So he has a tongue, but it's like what we call a soulish body. A body, can God see? Yet God is a spirit. God can hear. God can grieve. But God doesn't have a body. He's a spirit. God is a spirit. Must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. But he talks about he that made the eye, shall he not see? And he that made the ear, shall he not hear? So you can have a body that can't be seen. You and I have a body that can't be seen with the naked eye. Have you ever wondered what you really look like? We just see this old shell that we're running around in. This is just a house down on planet Earth. But ain't it something? You've never really seen me, and I've never seen you. Because you're a spirit living inside of a body. Your body has changed over the years, hasn't it? Do you look the same way you did when you was a little tyke? My mother always talked about how cute I was when I was small. No, that was my dad. Now that's a lie. Can you believe that dad saying that about their son? My kid was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. Can you imagine that? And he's going to put me in a burlap sack and throw me in the river and drown me. That's the truth. My mom wouldn't let him. Evidently, I didn't die. It was hard getting out of that bag, though. <laughs> Just joking. You know what I remember as far back as right after I was born, I was behind bars and hitting the bottle. Oh, well, well, we'll move right along. Some of y'all don't get these jewels. I mean, they're little jewels. Did you get it? Did you get it? Well, good. But he says, I am tormented in this flame. So it's not the place you want to be. It's not where you want to go. But you don't need a person to die on the cross to pay for your sins to keep you from going to a place that don't exist. I mean, because, well, I believe in heaven. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in hell. Well, why would you believe in Jesus? Well, as a Savior. Savior for what? Uh, he, Jesus spoke more on hell than he did about heaven. So he has warned us. And so we believe that in the eternal state, there are those who are going to be separated from God for all eternity. And having eternal life means you have to be united to eternal life. Jesus Christ is eternal life. So when you accept Christ as your Savior, he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So these things have been written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You have eternal life because you've got Christ. Christ is eternal life. You can't have one without the other. So if I can't lose Christ and he'll never cast me out and never leave me, how can I lose eternal life? Can't. This is why it makes so much sense to just take God at his word and just simply believe him. Now notice, there's something here I wanted you to see because it says in verse 25, Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime, 
receiveth the good things in your lifetime. This is your lifetime, your time of life upon the earth. Uh, see, it's temporary. So this is your lifetime. And he says, likewise, Lazarus, he received evil things. So here's Jesus telling this, and he knows that here's a poor man, a beggar, and he suffered in this lifetime. And he did without, and you had all this good stuff. So is that the reason why the man went to heaven and the man went to hell? The man went to hell because he was rich, and the man went to paradise because he was poor. You know, I could start a new religion on this. If you want to go to heaven, give me all your money. Because I want you to be poor. I'm willing to go to hell for you. Just give me all your money. <laughs> Doesn't it sound good? I don't think that's in the Bible. Is that one man believed something and another man did not believe something. It's just that he says that he could come to my five brothers and testify to them. But notice when he made that statement about come over here and help me and all that. In verse 26, beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they cannot pass from one to the other. You can't go from here to there and they can't come to here. In other words, once you're dead, I'm sorry, that's it. You either trust Christ as Savior before you die or you never can. And if you die without Christ, it's forever without Christ. You don't get a second chance. I've had people say, well, you get a second chance. No, you don't. That's not taught in the Bible. That's why in this lifetime, you must accept Christ as your Savior if you want to go to heaven. Not to do so, severe consequences. So look what he says here. In verse 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them. So he knew that Lazarus knew something he didn't know. I wonder what it was. One man saved, one man's lost. The lost people in hell wants those who know the Lord to witness to their family. Lest they also come to this place of torment. I've had people say, well, if my mother went to hell, I want to go to hell. I hate to tell them, your mother don't want you. Your daddy doesn't want you. People in hell don't want you there. Because, you see, they know what it's like. They know the severity of it. Come and dip your t finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. And to realize, that's forever. That is forever and ever. This is just the holding pen until they have the judgment, the great white throne judgment. And then they'll be placed into the lake of fire called the lake of Gehenna. This is just the place called Hades or Sheol. This is a temporary hell. But they suffer there. Now you and I, when we died, to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Boom. Now we're present with the Lord. Eternal bliss. To them, eternal suffering. Though it's temporary in this one place, and they don't have a judgment, and then it'll be for all eternity, because God is going to let them see that whatever God does, He will be just. And that they are getting what they deserve. Every lost man is going to get exactly what he deserves. That's why there can be no mercy. He won't accept mercy now. He won't accept God's grace now then you are only left to the judgment of God. And that's why he said, He that believeth on him hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not, the wrath of God abides upon him. 
See, the wrath of God abides over you. But when you die, the wrath of God falls. That's why it's so important to understand him. So there is no way for him to get out of this situation. But the one thing that he wants those who are alive, he wants us to witness. And he wanted to, can you send Lazarus back that he can testify? Well, wait a minute, remember that little old poor man outside of his gates begging for food every day? Just wanting the crumbs, dogs licking his sores. Yeah, but you ought to see him now. You ought to see him now. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.